Hello, I am Keith from Comic Books Transformed, and I am with my good friend over there, Mr. Brian Corshair. Brian, are you ready to take a trip all the way back to 2018? Yes, sir, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-COVID, pre a lot of craziness, and it's time for us to talk about Into the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which came out in 2018, and we were talking about this because its sequel is finally coming. Uh, when yeah. is it? Is it next week or... No, it's to, uh, it's June 2nd, oh, okay, so two, two weeks, time. basically. Nice. Um, yeah, Brian had this really great idea of sort of like revisiting movies that have sequels this summer. And boy, am I glad that you chose to do this one, Brian. God, this is such a, a fantastic movie. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I, can you say anything bad about this movie? <laughs> I, I think I had like one nitpick, and I almost feel like who cares about this one nitpick too. But we'll, we'll get to it in the discussion. But um, I was thinking that when we talk about this movie, we should kind of talk about why it's so good. Like, how did they make this? It almost seems like lightning in a bottle. And um, when you look at it, the, the people behind the scenes, there was three directors, but I think that for the most part, Lord and Miller are the ones that get the credit for this one would you agree or yes i agree it, which is weird though because i did a little bit of research and um uh, this is the first movie that um what do you call it uh christopher miller did not write it's just phil lord oh i didn't uh, i didn't know that yeah yeah it's written by two people it's written by um rodney rothman and phil lord okay and um there's three directors there is uh, Bob Parachetti. He did, um, he was the writer for The Little Prince. Like there was a, a remake of The Little Prince in 2015. He was the head of story for Puss in Boots, the first one. He was a storyboard artist for Shrek to Flushed Away, Monsters vs. Aliens. So he has like a big animation history. yeah. Right? Um, the second person is uh, Peter Ramsey, who directed Rise of the Guardians. Did, did you ever see that movie? Uh, I know of it, but I, I have not seen it. Yeah, it's that movie with like the like the Tooth Fairy and Jack Frost. Jack Frost. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. you know what? I, I might have seen that. Yeah, my kids really liked it. It came out in 2012, and um, Peter Ramsey's the first African American director to direct a major American animated feature. Hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. And then with this movie, this made him the first African American director to be nominated for and win for Best Animated Feature for Spider-Verse. Wow. Isn't that freaking crazy? Impressive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, last but not least, uh, I, I want to tell you a little bit more about him. He was the production illustrator on Predator 2, Backdraft, Independence Day, and Fight Club, among a whole bunch of other movies. Wow. <laughs> right, right? Yeah. And then, and then um, last but not least, the other director was uh, Rodney Rothman, who was one of the writers, too. And then he was also a writer on 22 Jump Street. Uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, besides this, they um, did Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Did you see that one? I've seen that, yep. Yeah. What did you think of that one? Um, it was a standard. It's not Disney. It's, uh, it's uh, I guess it's, is it DreamWorks? I think it was DreamWorks, yeah. Yeah. It's a standard, like, kids, kids movie. It was, you know, entertaining, I guess. Yeah. Unless, like, Sony has its own digital thing, which it might. Because, I mean, essentially, there's, like, three, right? There's, like, DreamWorks, there's Disney, obviously, and yeah. then there's Illumination, which Illumination, made, like, yeah. Minions and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you looking it up right now? I'm trying. <laughs> okay. 
Um, and then, of course, Lord of Miller did the Lego movie, which I think in that itself was sort of a revelation, too. Yes, but I, I honestly think this, I mean, God, if you want to argue which movie is more influential to what's, you know, since, I, I don't know if I could. Um, I mean, I like this movie way better than the Lego movie. <laughs> uh, agreed, agreed. Like it's kind of interesting. Wait, what was that last thing you said? Like a thousand percent better. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what's interesting about the Lego movie and this is that they're both like essentially just like all different characters from a toy box and you're just mixing them all together, right? Yeah, very true, yeah. You know, because you have like in Lego, you have all these different uh, franchises all mixing together. And then in this, you have all different Spider-Man mixing together. Um, and then they also did 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street. I don't know if you are, have you watched those movies? or? Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the first one. The second one was okay, I guess. But the first one was, was really good when I first saw it. Like, I remember, um, like, that was, like, a revelation with, like, Channing Tatum. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, like he, he was just, like, that guy from those dance dancing movies. And then he was, like, in everything after that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think he was in, like, G.I. Joe before that. And I was like, oh, he's kind of lame. And then in yeah. this, he was, like, really funny. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, I mean. Uh, and, and Cloudy the Chance of Meatballs was, it was produced by Sony Pictures Animation. I guess that. That's what I'm looking for, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I guess they do have their own thing. Yeah, so the, I guess there's like four studios. And I bet you they also did that movie, um, not Lord and Miller, did, but Sony Animation did uh, that movie of like the Millers versus the Machines. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I, I I watched like half of that once and I fell asleep and my family finished it and I didn't. Oh, okay, okay. Well, you know, we bring up all these movies and I think we actually use the term revelation once or twice. You know, maybe revelation is sort of an intense word to use, but these movies have obviously had an impact on pop culture in the past 10 years. Yeah. Like Lord and Miller have clearly influenced, you know, genres, definitely the superhero genre. And um, what I was going to say right off the bat was that this feels like a very cool movie into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, this this movie like oozes style. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. On, on Twitter, there was this thread going on like last week where it was like, what is a scene that once you saw it, you knew you were watching a good movie and you were in good hands? And they had all these different shots like The Matrix and Star Wars and all that kind of shit. I, for me, this movie starts out right when it says the comic book's code in the very beginning. I was like, oh, this is going to be something else, isn't it? <laughs> Do you have any moments like that for this movie? Um, I, I mean... I, I think I was I was kind of blown away by even the previews. We got a preview of this at the end of, or is a trailer in uh, God? What was it? I think it was Homecoming. Maybe maybe it was, but I was just blown away by it. It was the scene where um, uh, Miles first meets Peter B. Parker. Right. Yeah. And just the way it looked and, and everything, it, it kind of like blew me away, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought uh, up the the second, the, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming, right? Because this movie was in production starting as far back as 2014. But by the time this movie came out in 2018, there had been six Spider-Man movies prior. Yeah. So, like, you really needed to do something different and, like, switch up the formula. And that's why they wanted to focus on Miles Morales for this one. Yes. And, uh, and another reason for the production, too, is the um, the animation. Uh, in this, so in the yes, this is a you know an animated movie, but um, 
every frame has like hand-drawn touches over it. So it would take, like, I, I read some crazy fact that where it was like, it would take um, them like four months to do like 10 seconds or something like that. Holy shit. crazy like that. It, that, that sounds like wrong, honestly, because that, that doesn't seem humanly possible, but um, they said that they said that they wanted to have it have a unique look and feel and that drawing over the CG animation is what gives it that unique look to, and, um, and it was very, very time consuming. And that, that may explain why it's taken so long to get this sequel out. I see. Okay. What well, do you think that COVID influenced pushed it back to? Ah, uh, what didn't it push back? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Good point. Good point. Um, well, well, going along with what you're saying about the animation style, right? And I feel like this whole fucking video so far has been like, "Hey, Brian, have you seen this? Have you seen this, Brian?" But like, have you seen Puss in Boots: The Last Wish? I have not. Okay, so. Um, when I was watching it with Pepper and Clementine, Pepper was like, oh, this looks like Spider-Verse, she said. And um, it's because I think that they're kind of taking that style of that drawing over the CG to make it like look cooler. And I, yeah. I have to admit that like, I think she was right. And then I, also that the Mitchells versus the Machines, I, I think like that, that, that has bit. that same kind of approach too. And um, the new Ninja Turtle movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, so do you like this style? Yeah, uh, it's got. I mean, it it was very striking at first, and um, you know, the more you, maybe the more you see it, the more watered down that effect kind of has on you. But yeah. um, I, I still do like it. I, I, it hasn't been overdone to me yet, but I mean, I, I could see it being overdone in the near yeah. future. <laughs> Let's see how turtles is, and you know, maybe we'll decide if it's too much or not. Right. What one of the things that kind of trips me out watching this movie is that there's almost like that effect. You know when you go to watch a 3D movie and you take the glasses off and it has that kind of blur? Yeah. This movie is just like filled with that. Yeah, totally does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so why don't we talk about why it's so good? We kind of talked about the behind the scenes. Uh, do you think that the voice acting is a big reason why it's an awesome movie? The voice acting is great. The story is the, the story, the story and character arcs are really what shine here to me. Okay. Um, you know, Miles's hero journey uh, and, you know, the leap of faith, all that. Um, you just really uh, his his arc and also um, Peter B. Parker's arc, too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, his whole like, you know, his life fell apart and um, essentially because he didn't want to have kids with MJ. And, you know, it, this his him meeting Miles was kind of rejuvenates him. And kind of makes him see things in a different way, and he leaves on a on a great note, um, you know, leaving everything in Miles' hands. As, as even though he's only been, uh, you know, had powers for like two or three days or something like that, I think is what the end line says. Yeah. Um, it's it's like you know he, he left it in good hands. Yeah. Yeah, and with Peter B. Parker, I think that um, this movie does such a good job seeming dangerous like it really seems like any character could die maybe besides miles because you, you have like two significant deaths in this movie um but i think that the first death really sets the tone of like anybody could die and it could be pretty brutal how they die yeah so um, yes uh, you know chris pine spider-man and you know gets smashed by kingpin yeah uh, and that was really shocking too yes um and I remember too is just uh, the beginning of the movie. I was, you know, you hear that that familiar um, 
intro story, you know, that they, they rehashed a couple times, which I, I, I thought was great. Absolutely. Um, and I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't the, the other Peter Parker. What, what's going on here? That sounds like Chris Pine. Like, what is this? Right, right. And, and the way that he's killed by Kingpin, that, that, that beginning, like, it made me think that Peter B. Parker could die at any point. And he almost kind of wants to die, just going along with that story arc you're talking about. Yeah. And to, to add to that, too, I mean, I mean, the, the Spider-Verse comic, although it has very little to do with this movie, um, I mean, the whole premise of that is, is lots of other Spider-People dying. <laughs> yes, yes. Hey, well, while you're doing that, why don't we um, kind of go back to Ultimate Comics and Ultimate Spider-Man, and let's talk about how that Spider-Man died, too. Oh, my God, how did he die? Do, do you want me to tell you real quick? Yeah, yeah, refresh my memory because it's been a while since I read it. <laughs> okay, so so one thing I like about this movie is that the Green Goblin in this movie is like the Green Goblin in Ultimate Spider-Man, where he's like the yes. Hulk, right? He's big, he's giant. Um, so that Norman is in jail. He breaks out, he kind of hulks out, and he gets like his own version of the Sinister Six. But the sixth member is Spider-Man. And he basically forces Peter to, like, I think, attack the Triskelion, which is like the headquarters of the yeah. Ultimates, which are like the Avengers, right? I, I know you know this, but I'm just telling everyone else. And um, they, like, fuck Peter up. They, like, beat him up. He, like, Norman really fucks him up. Simultaneously, there was this other crossover going on with, like, the Ultimates. And I think Punisher was in it. And Punisher shoots Peter, too. And so the, yeah. the fatigue from the battle with Norman and from getting shot from the Punisher is what kills the ultimate Peter Parker. Yes. Um, and going back to uh, the, the the Norman Osborn from, from in this movie, yes, it was cool to see that design, but at the same time, it was kind of a letdown because, you know, Norman is generally, you know, the arch nemesis. Yeah. And he, he seemed to be kind of be reduced here significantly. Totally agree. He's like a henchman. I mean, yeah, you know, Green Goblin's my favorite Marvel villain. So, yeah, that, that it is like a step down. But I was willing to forgive that. There's quite a few villains in here. And uh, I would say that a lot of people have their kind of ultimate design in this, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you have Tombstone. Scorpion is in it, too. Like, kind of for a little bit. The Prowler is in it. And the Prowler is like the Prowler in the Ultimate comic. Yes. Yeah. And so um, that's where we should kind of talk about, uh, you know, the, the voice acting and the casting and the arcs. Okay. So like the movie starts out with Miles uh, being a student in this one prep school he doesn't want to go to. And to be rebellious, he likes to go hang out with his uncle who uh, Miles's cop father, you know, had a falling out with and doesn't really necessarily trust or think is a good influence. And um the uncle is played by, I always fuck up his name whenever I say it. Marshala Ali. Oh, thank you so much. Marshala Ali. Um, who I, I just think that like his delivery is so great as the uncle. Yes. And he gives us the, uh, the iconic, Hey, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, you know, you, you are always really great at pointing out the voice actors and things and like pointing out who does a good job. I, I think that the voice acting in general, even though it's a lot of famous people, they really bring so much personality to these characters. I think he does a fantastic job as the Prowler. And I just think that Miles is excellent. Because yes. they could have cast Miles as like sort of like a prepubescent kind of squeaky voiced, more like a kid. But even though his voice can get kind of high pitched, um, I gotta say his fucking name now too, Shamik Moore, 
Um, he's got this sort of deadpan tone that he uses often, which I think is just great. Yeah, I, I, I actually didn't know who he was before this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I know that he was in um, uh, The Get Down and uh, that movie Dope, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which you know, which is also funny because um, the kid, the guy who plays Flash Thompson in the in the Tom Holland movies is is in that as well. Oh, okay. And um, and but like I had to look that up. Like I didn't know who he was before, and I, I still haven't seen those things. I, I think I would like to though. Yeah. Um, I also think um, his dad, uh, Jefferson, uh, played by Brian David Tyree, who yeah. uh, is also fantastic. Um. Liv Shriver as Kingpin is fantastic. Yes. Um, and I have a extreme soft spot in my heart for Nick Johnson as Peter yes. B. Parker. Yes. Uh, I told the story before, but during COVID, um, he like just put something out on Twitter saying like, you know, send, send, send me your kid's name or whatever. And he'll like record like a message for them. And we sent it in for Brandon. We told him that his middle name was Parker. Um, and he, he, he did it. Like he said it like, and it's fantastic. And we still, God, I should have got the file. I could have played it uh, uh, just like, like 20 seconds or something like that. But, um, you know, forever fan <laughs> because of that. That's so cool. I totally forgot. You told me that story. I kind of almost want to cry just hearing that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, he is really good as Peter B. Parker. We can kind of talk about him a little bit more. You mentioned the dad, uh, Brian Tyree Henry playing Jefferson Davis. Um, I feel like he just kind of came out of nowhere. I know he was on that show Atlanta, but he's in like so much genre stuff these days. Yeah, I mean he's he's also um uh oh, God, who was he in Eternals? Fastos. Fastos, yep. And uh what else did I seen recently? Uh that he, was, he, he was in that Godzilla movie, Godzilla versus Kong. He's in the next yep. one that's coming out. Um Bullet Train he was in. He was in Bullet Train, that's right. I liked him a lot in that. Yeah. Um yeah, he he pops up a lot. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, I, I picture, like, all the voice actors that I don't know. Like, when I see their character in the movie, I'm like, oh, they look like that. That's what the guy looks like. And I'm like, no, no, he doesn't look like that. Um, but he's really good as the dad. The dad's arc, like, see, in a well-done movie, you can, like, do so much with just small little bits. Like, the dad's role is just a small part of this whole movie, but it's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can tell that he's uh, kind of disconnected from his son in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and then he he also doesn't like Spider-Man right. as a cop who thinks he doesn't agree with his methods. And then, you know, just those two things combining together, you know, just kind of alienates him from his, his dad a little bit. And then they're trying to kind of reconnect throughout the movie. And then, you know, again, they, they kind of finally do. Um, everything comes full circle. Like, you know, uh, the one of the great lines from the trailer what was when he's uh, the, the dad drives Miles to school. He's in the cop car, and he uses the PA to say, "Oh, you have, uh, you have, I have to hear you say it." And he makes him say, it. and then like that's you know how uh, how Miles leaves it off with him at the end. He says, you know, he hugs him as Spider Man and says, "I love you." And then he's like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's so good on an emotional level. It's so funny too because the dad's reaction. It's yeah, yeah, so good, so good. Um, like every single. Like, okay, this is what I think I, I said this in our notes, but I didn't necessarily say this on this video yet. Like, with comedies, like, let's say we're just looking at this as a comedy, right? Or like an animated kids' comedy. There's always going to be jokes that don't land. 
there might be a whole bunch of good ones, but there's always some that don't land. When a movie is like cool and hip and stuff, there's always going to be parts that are like you're kind of trying too hard. This movie just somehow it's like it never feels like it's trying too hard. None of the jokes bomb. All of them. Yeah, are. every every joke in this movie is extremely organic. Like I feel like like a, a lot of times in movies, um, there'll be some improv on set and things like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like everything was was written with purpose in yep. this and performed excellently. Yep. Um, so yep. the, the the jokes feel they feel fitting and earned and not too over the top. And it's not just like, Hey, we, you know, we thought this was funny. So let's do it there. Like everything is great. And there's tons of little like Spider-Man jokes around uh, as well. Yes, you know, yes. Mods. So let's talk about miles and um, let's talk about kind of how he fits into the story. He, um, you know, it doesn't like going to this one school. He wants to go to his old school. He reaches out to his uncle and um, I was telling you before that one of those moments I knew I was watching a movie I was going to love was that comics code thing. But then another part was when um, they start, his uncle started playing Hypnotize by Notorious B.I.G. And he's running through the city. I love that part so much. Yeah. Oh. Um, God, the music in this movie is so good and so fitting and perfect yep. for everything. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So uh, I'm so I'm so glad I have this conversation with you, man. Like, because one of the things that's important about this movie, this is so fucking important, this part right here, is that superhero movies in general tend to cater to guys like us it's like oh you like the 80s right you were in the 80s right so so here we're gonna play fucking uh, i need a hero or something or we're gonna play metallica or something right this is like a movie that's made for someone that's like fucking miles's age yeah totally i mean although you can argue no you know terms bad she's more our age but <laughs> all right come on now devil's advocate <laughs> Right, but like another another great part, and speaking of how great the music is, is when they're playing Sunflower by Post Malone, and he's sitting yeah. there drawing. I love that. I I also love the tiny little detail that he doesn't know the words. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. He's kind of like singing half the words, which is something that we all do when we first hear a song we like, sort of, you know, you pick up yep. little words at the time. I, I thought that was in such a nice little touch there. Um, I, I think my favorite use of a song is um, when he finally gets the costume, and they're playing uh, What's Up Danger. Oh, pretty much like the most like incredible sequence in the movie um that that is that is the best part of the whole movie is when he does yeah. that. The, the leap um, of faith and and second to that too uh i mean this, this isn't music related but one of my other favorite moments and this is probably ties in with uh, a movie uh, a moment that you know the movie was in good hands or in good shape um this was by far the best stan lee cameo oh and yeah. uh the line the, the line where it, it, it always fits eventually the, the pause in that is so goddamn perfect um it, and it killed me in the theater because this was like a this movie came out like a month after he died so like that that was one of those like incredibly powerful moments and but like i said by far the best stanley cameo totally agree totally agree um watching the trailer for the new movie they show little bits from this movie before the, the actual trailer kicks in, before he gets like Miguel O'Hara. And um, they play the music from this movie in that trailer. And it, it, I guess like it made me really appreciate the music, the, the actual score for this movie too. Because it, it has this, this sort of note that like really evokes that sense of wonder. Like certain superhero scores really have that kind of sense of wonder to them. Like the Superman theme by John Williams or like uh, Danny Elfman's Spider-Man theme right 
Like this, it, it's it's a bit more subtle than those other themes, but it still is like this, like, oh, you're Spider-Man. Like, like look how cool it is. The world is open to you. And it's just, yeah. it's so good. The, the actual score, too. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so here, here, here. Watch this. I'll, I'll say my one nitpick, okay? Um, I love the uncle, but I feel like the Prowler, when they use him in this, it's like, it's kind of too quick that they, they go through the whole arc where he finds out he's a Prowler and he gets killed. Um, yeah, I, I can, I understand that. But um, with, with any Spider-Man origin, there's always a loss somewhere. Um, I, I think... I think this was a fitting one. He, he looked to his uncle for like comfort, you know, when he felt alienated by everywhere else. And then just to, to have him see that, I think that's a great reaction. It's a great thing to, to show. Um, would it have been, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think they could have done it better, honestly. Like I, the, the, the amount of time he had, the relationship he had with them and, you know, the reveal and the, you know, I, I guess a little more than halfway through the movie. Um, I, the impact of that is huge on miles and in the movie. And I, I think if you would have prolonged it or extended the character to another movie or something like that, it would have diminished it. Okay. And, and yeah. I, like I said, somebody would have had to die otherwise. Um, and, and, you know, it varies continuity. It's, it's either his mom or his dad. Maybe that's kind of trying to throw you for a loop. Um, and you know, the, the one with the, with, you know, uncle Aaron instead. Yeah. Which, yeah, just like Uncle Ben, it's the uncle, right, right. Oh, um, oh my God, yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, look, I, I agree with what you just said, too. And even, like, when I was thinking about that's my one nitpick, it's like, if they made, like, a whole movie where he was finding the Prowler and they found out the Prowler was his uncle, I think that would have been too much. It would have been, like, stretched out too thin. See, so, that would have been that would have been good if this was just a Miles movie, but it, it's not. And the fact that we have all these other characters, we need a, a larger motivation um, we're speaking of which I, I really like the motivation of Kingpin in this, yeah. uh, you know, he lost his family, um, but, you know, from his own, uh, his own actions and he's yeah. trying to find a replacement in the multiverse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so, you know, what? let's, let's just talk about all the villains. Cause we already started with Prowler, uh, with Kingpin, like it's interesting, right? Cause I think Kingpin's son does get killed in the comics. And I think he actually is like a crime Lord too called the rose do you remember having yeah, like his card now, yeah um i don't remember him getting killed no but uh but but yeah he's he is active as the rose right, right now oh, okay like, right even now. in the current amazing spider-man okay okay i remember like being a kid and getting the rose like figure the villain card um like from marvel series 2 you know wow i don't remember that going back that far though yeah 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 yeah, yeah. like there wow. was a card of him and um, yeah, because he kind of looks like he has a ski mask and he's got like a button-down shirt and stuff. Yep. Or yeah, yeah. Um, but then yeah, Kingpin's like wife dying is always a big part of the arc. It's, I think it's even a part of the Daredevil show, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, his design is great. He's just like a fucking wall with a fat yeah, face on. It, it looks un unnatural, but right. it's so imposing. And right. I really, they really just you know just played up that that large bulky strength aspect of kingpin right um and you know to a factor of like a thousand <laughs> right 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 super imposing and he has this whole like group of villains i mean he has the goblin uh tombstone we already said that there's um scorpion 
you know, one of the things that was interesting about Spider-Man uh, Homecoming was that Mac Gargan is, is in that movie, the Scorpion. Yes, yes. You know, he's on the Staten Island Ferry, of all places, and they just never use him again, ever. Um, well, he was in one of the, he was in the, the, the post credit scene. Oh, uh, yeah? Homecoming as well. Oh, okay. Was Maybe, like, what does he go up to Michael Keaton and, like, say, like, can you, you know? Uh, yeah, they, they meet in jail, yeah. Okay, okay, like, okay. We should talk or something, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Because that actor, you know, he's a Hispanic actor, and he's in, um, I think his name's Michael Mando. And he's in uh, Breaking, not Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. And he's really great in that. And I just thought, like, he'd be a great Scorpion if they were going to kind of go that route. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, one of the things I wanted to mention with Prowler, too, um, is that, first of all, the Prowler's design is really awesome. But then for the Prowler, he has his own theme in the movie. And his music kind of sounds almost like a sound effect when he shows up. Yeah. It's like, and he's, yeah, I think um... he's really scary. Yeah, no, they make it very threatening, and, and it is a little scary. Yeah, I, I, I had a little bit of that res, uh, hesitation for bringing. Uh, I, I didn't bring my son to see this in the theater, but because uh, he only would have been two, but he he probably saw it when he was like four or something like that. <laughs> and and he's a Spider Man fan, right? Yes, he. Uh, well, uh, yes and no. He kind of thinks Spider Man's a little like lame right now, but I, I'm sure that'll change again uh, when okay. he sees the movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he likes loves Venom, Venom again, you know. Oh, okay, okay. Well, Venom's more of a big guy, and I know that he likes big guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we kind of talked about the villains. Let's talk about the Spider Verse people, like the people from different realities. Do you have a particular favorite? Oh, Ooh. Peter B. Parker, right? Uh, yeah, Peter B. Parker. Yes, but if I had to pick one besides that, um, uh, and, and besides Miles, I would probably pick Spider Ham. Actually, Spider Ham. I, I I remember I had comics that like you know with with Peter Porker when I was a kid and uh, I I really don't think there could have been a better voice than John Mulaney for it. Yeah, he's pretty great. Uh, he doesn't do very much in the movie. Um, no, but uh, but I I thought it was a very interesting. It was a good casting, honestly. I mean, yeah, really, yeah. all of them are great. Um, you know, Nick Cage as as uh, Spider Man Noir is it worked really well. I know he's a fan of, of the character uh, of, of Spider-Man, so it was cool to see him in that. And um, Haley Steinfeld is pretty much great in everything, always. Yeah. So, and and honestly, that that you know the the Spider Gwen or Ghost Spider costume, or whatever you want to call it, is so good. Like that that was like a character that was supposed to be like a one-off in something, but the costume was so good that it, it, she was like everywhere for a while. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um... I'm, I'm very interested in Spider-Gwen, or, or she's Spider-Woman in this, and then in the regular Marvel comics, I think they try to call her Ghost Spider, since yeah. already, there's already a couple of Spider-Women already to begin with. Yeah. Um, but what I was looking for in this one, I was like, okay, does she ever kind of mention that, like... Okay, okay, well, well here's the thing. Uh, let me rephrase this. It's interesting that, like, Peter B. Parker doesn't go, oh, it's Gwen, when he sees her. And she obviously is mourning the loss of her Peter Parker. But I think that, like, they just couldn't hit all these emotional beats with for all these characters because it's just, you know, you have to have it within two hours. And I think that that's why Peter B. Parker doesn't recognize her. Well, yeah, I think I think part of that part of that is that there was a certain, like, Gwen Stacy erasure from the original 
Tobey Maguire movies. Yeah. I know Gwen is in the third one and all that, but she, like that solidified to the general populace Spider-Man and MJ. Um, yeah. Where to, to, to a lot of people, it's it's always Spider-Man and Gwen. Right. Um, because that 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 impact on on him is so huge, and I, even though also the, you know Gwen is the love interest in the Andrew Garfield movie, still too is like they never they never really I I think that it was really solidified in people's minds Spider Man MJ, and the other thing too is that Peter B Parker is older, uh, he says he's been Spider Man for twenty something years, and she's like a teenager, so that's a little weird. Yeah, yeah. So, but like. Peter Parker in the modern comics does have reaction when he sees Spider Gwen. Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. but she, um, uh, I guess she still kind of is younger. Like, how yeah, I mean, like just then again, then again, Peter Parker in the comics is isn't supposed to be, you know, 45, 50 years old like we think he practically is because he's been around so long. You know, like right. he's supposed to be like you know under thirty or around thirty, maybe a little over something like that. Right. So it's not that crazy of a, a difference, probably. The, the the general origin for Spider-Man is that he got bit when he was 16, right? Or, and yeah. sometimes I think 15. But um, so then, like, if he was Spider-Man for 20 years, he'd be like 36. And then um, the Peter Parker that's played by Chris Pine, he's 26 when he dies. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, Miles, I think Miles is like 16 or 15, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, for for me, I, I would say that my favorite Spider Verse character would be uh, Peter B. Parker, and I I don't think he was originally, but watching it a second time around, I was like, oh yeah, he's just so like, it's it's he's just so it's like so sweet his whole character arc, his little facial reactions. There's one part where he's like on the bus and he's just like listening to Gwen and and Miles talking, kind of does this face and. And little subtle things like that, I think, are just so great. Um, yeah, he, he's a very different Peter Parker, but he's he's very relatable, I guess. You know. Yes, agreed, agreed. Um, one thing, I, and I kind of forgot to mention this to you, but like when Miles gets bit by the spider, the spider has an Alchemex on it, and it also does the little glitch thing, like the people from other universes do. So the assumption is that the spider is from another reality, right? Yes, that's what I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember in the comics if like, because I th I think I'm pretty sure the same spider that bit Peter bit Miles too in the comic. In the um, comic. Yeah, although I don't remember how they explain it because there's obviously a gap in time uh, between between bitings. Um, but I I think you're right. I think it was th that's the same spider escaped somehow or was stolen or something. And yeah. Then it, it bites him. Yeah, what people might not know or have read is that, um, you know, in the Ultimate Comics, Peter Parker's only like 15 or 16, and then like, he's only Spider-Man for like a year or or a little more, and then Miles becomes Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, he died. Even though, you know, that was going on like, what, like seven, eight years, something like that? At least, <laughs> at least, yeah. And, and so, um, you know, we, we didn't mention, you mentioned the Nicolas Cage noir Spider-Man, but then there's also the sort of the anime-inspired sp spider and yeah. um, it's interesting, too, because I, when I was doing research, they were saying that they were going to use silk. And I'm actually really glad they didn't use silk. Well, how do you uh, feel about that? Yeah, no, I, I, I liked it. There was something different. Um, silk, uh, silk would require – no, oh, man, but silk is very tied to the inheritors. So they, they, they really need to save silk for the inheritors. Yeah. If they ever do that – 
if they ever do it that in this next movie or any future ones. Yeah. Um, um, and for the people who don't know who the inheritors are, the there's this whole concept that was created in the the Michael uh, J. Michael Straczynski Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, about there being a spider totem and it's this whole mystical aspect, and that there are these weird vampire people that eat spider totems, and that's that's like the you know the crux of the Spider-Verse comic is these things want to just eat all the Spider-Man. <laughs> yes, and that might sound really weird, but it's kind of fun because Spider-Man has so many animal-themed enemies. And yeah. so to kind of make it have like this mystical origin that connects to animals, I think that's actually really cool. It it, it was really cool. It, it it is it is a lot better than I made it sound right now. Right. And honestly, that that original, um, at least the original comic crossover is one of my favorite like crossovers or epic of big events, big comic events like ever. Honestly, Spider Verse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's it's really well done. And there's that sense of danger that the characters could die because they're always getting eaten by those inheritor guides, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, so so he's infected by a, or bitten by a spider from another reality, and it's Alchemex. And Alchemex is in this um movie. And actually that reminds me, we didn't mention one villain that I think is kind of prominent. We didn't mention Doc Ock. Yes. Uh and this was actually a huge surprise. Yes, um, I, I think you said this in your notes too. Like when I watched this, I, I did not see that coming. Nope, at all. But no, nope. man, that was a great little twist. Yes, yeah, it, it's a uh, uh, Olivia Octavius. Yeah. yeah, Olivia Octavius. Um, just that that little turnaround there, like uh, like it was so unexpected and great. Yeah, um, and and you also called out that um, you know, in in the comics there was a relationship between Otto and Aunt May, right? And, uh, and you said that, and I, I know happened to notice too that you said, uh, "Oh, did they call you Doc Ock?" And he says, uh, "No, he says, no, my friends call me Liv." Right. And then when Aunt May first sees her, she says, "Oh, it's Liv." Exactly. Exactly. That was very interesting. Yep. 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 I love that. Yeah, the idea that like this version of Doc Ock and Aunt May had a relationship yeah. too, which I'm totally cool with. I love uh, this Doc Ock's design too. I like that, like her tentacles look like they're like kind of like rubbery or made out of plastic and there seems to be like some sort of like liquid or something that makes them bulk up and attack yes i thought it was a very cool unique design too yeah yeah and then we should mention that she's played by katherine hahn yes agatha harkness herself yeah 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 so um let's see i'm just trying to think of what else we should cover well, no, the, any... the, the most defining thing that katherine hahn has ever done was stepbrothers to me oh okay she, um she played um wilf Farrell's brother's wife. Okay. Um, there's this scene where she like goes in the bathroom with um, with uh, uh, well, I can't remember his name, John C. Riley's character. Yeah. And, like like they they have sex and then she stands, she goes up to the urinal and like puts her leg up and I thought that was like the funniest thing. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, she she's one of I those. No, I, like, you didn't know who she was before. Like that was one of the first things she's ever done. So it's, like that was like it was such a like defining like scene for me. Isn't isn't she in that movie? Uh, was is it called Grown Ups? What's the movie with like Seth Rogen and uh, Rose Byrne? I don't know. I don't the know neighbors. The neighbors. Neighbors. No, I don't think she's in that. She's not. She's not like the because there's like this couple that they have that are friends too, and and she's kind of ridiculous in that too. Maybe. Like, I mean, not to, you know, we're, we're talking kind of about weird sexual stuff with Catherine Hahn, but like, 
I, I'm pretty sure there's this one part where like McLovin has a giant penis and he has it like wrapped around her neck in that movie. <laughs> you know uh, McLovin? Yeah, yeah, I know McLovin. I I had a man, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going down a weird rabbit hole, but yeah. um, what do you call it? But I mean just Captain Han is awesome, and then in this movie, Doc Ock is great, and I just like you was like, Oh, I had no idea that was who that was. Pretty sure yeah. it's called Neighbors, and it's uh, with Seth Rogen, and then also what's his face is in it too. Um, the guy, the guy from High School Musical. Uh, Zach Efron. Zach Efron, right? So uh, then, I don't think, I don't think that's her. Okay, is it Carla Yukina? Who's the, who's the? Okay, all right. Well, whatever. You know, I'm going down a rabbit hole now. Um, let's go back to this movie. Is there anything else you want to say about Spider Verse before we do our rankings? um we know we we talked about all the major characters uh i think uh we talked about the animation the music um we talked about the stanley cameo that was one of the points i really wanted to hit on and uh yeah no i guess that's it okay uh, i'm excited I'm, I'm very excited for this next movie um i i do have a fear that there's just no chance they can live up to this one um but uh you know i'm i'm, I'm still excited yeah yeah i think that uh there's something special about lord and miller and for this next one they are both of the writers on the movie that none of them are directing the movie and there's three new directors it's not any of the directors from the first movie yep. but I, I think just having them involved is a good sign you know it's, it's interesting a little side note but like they were making solo before ron howard was given the job and i just i wonder what the hell that would have been yeah, that, that was one of those weird troubled productions that uh, you heard a lot about, and I think kind of it was damaging to the film. But apparently they, they were trying to make it a little too jokey, I guess. I, yeah. I don't know. It didn't fit with the other Star Wars movies. Um, I liked Solo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was good. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other video in itself. Yeah. So why don't we uh, jump over to our Spider-Man rankings? Yeah. Um, have, you, have your rankings changed since watching this movie again? I'm struggling with it. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, really, because I always mention I, I have a recency bias. So I, I just rewatched this movie. So now I'm all about this movie again. Yeah. Um, I, I, we've also, we also know that my favorite MCU movie is No Way Home. So it's like, which one is better? Yeah. And, and it's so hard. It really is so hard to choose for me. And, and like, both have very similar subject matter, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. But, um, like they're really like neck and neck for the top spot to me, and and that's that's really the only change is that I, previously I, I would have had Spider Verse as my number two movie, um, out of all the the Spider Man only movies, and we also had Venom in there for whatever reason last time. Um, those are at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, you know, maybe we should, maybe it's good we include them because you know there are these other movies coming. Um, you know, we do have to watch Morbius at some point. Oh um, God! Craven, Craven is supposedly coming out this year. Wow! Um, there is that uh, Madam Web movie that sounds kind of interesting, actually. It has like a decent cast, and I believe we were, I believe we have Silk in that movie. Now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, so yeah, we we probably should rank these other all the the, the Sony Spider related movies. Sure. Eventually. Yeah. So. Uh, if I were to go through it now, um, my least favorite at number 11 is uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Good. Oh, God. Feel the same um, way. Venom is next. 
Got it. Which Same is thing. It's just like I, I wouldn't have ever thought that I would dislike a movie more than that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it happened. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have Amazing Spider-Man two. Same here. Uh, Spider-Man three. Um, oh, interesting, interesting. Really? I, I you, know what, think... you know what though? I I, I remember rewatching Spider-Man three at some point in the last like year or two, and mm. it definitely gets more of a bad rap than it deserves. Yeah. Um, but I have Amazing Spider-Man two, then Spider-Man three, then Far From Home, then Homecoming, then Amazing Spider-Man, then Spider-Man two, Spider-Man one, and. Uh, the one and two I said before, like, I, I can't choose. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to call this a tie, a tie for first place because that, that's it's really they really are on the same level to me. They're so good. Yeah. So okay, huh? Interesting, interesting. Our our lists are a little bit different. Okay, so at the very bottom, I don't have numbers written next to these, but at the very bottom, we are exactly tied. Venom, let there be carnage. Then Venom, then Amazing Spider-Man two. Now you know me. You know that I am actually not a fan of Spider-Man Far From Home. I always rank that pretty low on my MCU. Yep. So that's what's next for me. Then there's Amazing Spider-Man. Then wait, 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 wait. Did you say Amazing Spider-Man 2 already? Yeah. Oh, you did? Okay. I was going to say, like, there's no way you can rank Amazing Spider-Man below Amazing Spider-Man 2. Right, 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 right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I'll, I'll, just, I'll just do it real quick. Uh, Venom, let there be carnage. Venom, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Okay. Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. Then Amazing Spider-Man. Then Spider-Man 3. Then Spider-Man Homecoming. Then um, Spider-Man 1. Then Spider-Man No Way Home. Then Spider-Man 2. And then finally, Spider-Man into the multiverse. Spider-Verse. Spot. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Right. You know what? You mentioned uh, you play Spider-Man two higher than and Spider-Man one. And honestly, I have to say, like those two are like neck and neck to me too. Um, yeah. It's so hard to choose between those two two for me. Um, really, my only flaw with the first movie is Green Goblin's costume. Yeah. Um, and two is, is just so good. But um, it's so good. It, it's yeah. just. That first Spider-Man movie, that the first Tobey Maguire one, it just kind of shows you like, holy shit, they can make superhero movies, you know? Yeah. And I know we had, um, you know, we had uh, Blade really started this whole trend there, and X-Men was first before the Spider-Man one, right? Yes, because yeah, because I think you could see the trailer for X Spider-Man during the X-Men movie. Yeah, and, and um, but, yeah. But, well, no, no, no Spider-Man no. actually shows up randomly in a cutscene from X-Men, too. Did you know that? No. Yeah, like, on YouTube, when we're done recording, it, look it up. Like, Spider-Man, like, swings into the Statue of Liberty at one point. It's like, oh, I guess you don't need my help or something. And he, like, swings away. Holy shit, no, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I know, I know. Like, for me, Spider-Man 2, I, I really would have put that as number one. But one of the things I told you in this video is that, like, I don't think that Into the Spider-Verse has any flaws. And I think Spider-Man 2 has a couple of small flaws. But otherwise, this movie, I don't feel like has any flaws. And so I love Spider-Man 2. But I just, I think this movie is the better movie. Yeah, that's, that's fair. 
I, th I think uh, we should also point out, did you end up watching that video of James Gunn ranking his five favorite superhero movies? Uh, I saw a list of it. I didn't I didn't even know there was a video of it, actually. <laughs> okay. I mean, and, and it's not even just superhero movies because he does The History of Violence. He does Old Boy. Um, he has Deadpool as his number five. Um, and then he has Superman 1978. And then his number one is Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. Totally valid choice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, so we did our Spider-Verse conversation. I'm really glad that you wanted to watch this and talk about this. Um, next week is going to be Bumblebee then, right? Bumblebee, yeah. Another Haley Steinfeld movie. <laughs> oh, there we go. Nice. Keep it going. Then we're going to do True Grit after that. <laughs> nice. Cool, man. Well, if you guys like our video, um, make sure that you guys have subscribed. And so watch Bumblebee before next week. And you can join the conversation with me and Brian. And then also come back uh, in about three weeks when we actually review Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Boom. Yes. So make sure you guys are subscribed, and we'll see you guys next week.